What's up, guys? Thanks for joining us on this post-signing day edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and I'm here with my co-host, Curtis, and we've got a lot to talk about today as we recap National Signing Day and dig into this now-finalized Sikkim 17 class. If you guys want to share any thoughts or have any questions about this show or any other shows, uh, or maybe you just want to talk some ball in general, you can hit us up on Twitter, at Glory underscore UGA. Um, you can also email us if social media is not your thing, at uh, Glory UGA podcast at gmail.com. Also, if you're new to the show and want to catch up on past episodes of the show, or even if you are a loyal listener that might just have happened to miss a few shows, you can check out archives of all of our shows at gloryuga.com. We always appreciate the support you guys give us. Today's show, though, is all about signing day in the 2017 class. Um, but we're going to try to attack our discussion of this class in a little bit of a different way than most other outlets do. Uh, we want to give you a little something different. Uh, there are a ton of people out there who do a great job covering this. But we want to have some fun with it and just switch it up a little from the norm. So today, I'm going to take Curtis back in time some to the old school days and test him on his knowledge of the 2017 class with some pretty basic multiple choice questions. Of course... Each question will have to do with this 2017 signing class, and I'll also throw my two cents in there as well. But uh, let's go ahead and get into this today, Curtis. All right, so signing day. You were at the Blind Pig, West Side location, right? Yeah. Yeah, was it good? Fun? Yeah, it was. That's a good time. I've been there before, wasn't able to make it out, wasn't able to get off work today, unfortunately, to make it out there. I have to take basically all my uh, personal sick days to make it to all the road games. So I was out of days, couldn't make it over, but I'm glad you got to make it. I'm sure a lot of guys were out there and hope all of you out there had a good time. Wherever you were, I'm sure you might have been at work like me, being very, very, very unproductive. Um, but that's kind of what we do. We bleed the red and black, and it's it's our thing. So let's go ahead and get into this, Curtis. The first question I have for you, I want to just start with some general questions about signing day itself. We're going to start with how we close. So question number one. Our close on signing day was A, a fail, B, underwhelming, C, predictable, or D, satisfactory? I might have to go probably B, underwhelming. Um, you know, it wasn't one that's going to jump off the page, but um, I think we still addressed a few needs that, you know, um, it wasn't what we wanted. But at the same time, like I saying, we did address some needs. Um, which are going to give us some options going forward. And, and you know, I got talking to you before the show. I think the one of the biggest things also, there was only a couple players on the board that we were really looking at because when you get down to it, we had locked up a lot of our guys ahead of signing day. Yeah, that, that's, that's very true. Um, underwhelming, I think, is – for me, it's, a, it's tough between underwhelming and predictable. Every year, without fail, I always end up getting my hopes up late in the process. You hear a few solid bits of information that uh, kind of lean in our favor with certain prospects. The biggest guys that we have left on our board, guys like Aubrey Solomon, guys like uh, Jemias Williams, perhaps Marcavius Bryant. And you get your hopes up. You know you know better. I always know better. But it's so hard to not get your hopes up because you want it so badly. But yet, here we are, again, missing on those big targets down the stretch on signing day. So I, I can see it being predictable. I can see it being underwhelming. I'm I'm going to go predictable on this one. Underwhelming. I don't know because I don't wanna, I don't think I'm going to go with underwhelming. Years. I don't know how realistic it was for us to land some of these guys. Yes, we got our hopes up, but if you read between the lines and look at the tea leaves, 
we weren't going to get some of these guys. And a guy like Aubrey Solomon, he's just up and down all over the place. And I don't care what anyone says. I think he was absolutely <coughs> trolling people. Some people are going to sit here and say that he was just truly tortured. I don't buy that for a second, man. I really don't. A guy no, gets... He's a diva. Yeah, I think he was being a diva. And you can call that sour grapes if you want. That's fine. I think he was absolutely a guy that was trolling us. I think that Derek Brown last year was trolling us. I don't think every guy we miss on sign day is trolling us. I don't think Jemias Williams was trolling. Um, I don't even really think Marquavius Bryant was trolling. I think he got influenced late in the process by some things that um, maybe not may not actually end up being in his best interest, but I don't think he was trolling us. But I, I think Aubrey Solomon was flat out trolling us. If you look at the um, Army All-American game where the Georgia mouthpiece during the practices uh, in a session where he's kind of just hanging out with guys in between practices, sitting there on Facebook Live cussing out Michigan fans. I mean, dude, come on. He's, he, he can't be that stupid, right, where he knows where he doesn't think that's going to get out. He knows what J.J. Holloman's doing. He knew what that was going to do. Come on. Come on. We're not that stupid. So I absolutely think the guy was trolling and purposefully putting out mixed signals. I don't know whether or not 100% certainly that he told our staff he was coming. I've heard from some folks uh, that I know that our staff had was giving some indications that we had a legitimate shot here. Um, and I don't know anyone on that, that's around the Bama program, but just reading some reports today, they were given some similar assurances that it was at least us or them and not Michigan. But then, of course, he ends up at Michigan. So I think he was trolling us. So to me, I don't think it's all that realistic. So it's not totally underwhelming. It, it kind of just, we finished about how we usually finish. So to me, it's more predictable than anything. Um, and that's okay. It, it, it wasn't a spectacular finish. It would have been spectacular to close with a guy like Solomon Bryant and flipping Jemias Williams. But come on, that's as great as that would have been. That, that wasn't altogether realistic. We, we kind of had to know that deep down, even though, of course, we were hoping for it to happen. All right, next question. So the close is one thing. And pe- I think people get so caught up in how a team closes that in many cases, it kind of just overshadows the class as a whole. I, yes, it's nice to close strong because that's what ESPN does. They give you all the coverage on sign. They, oh, they, Georgia closed with this. Or Florida State pulls off the upset lands Marvin Wilson. Where'd that come? They come out of nowhere. You get some publicity there. But really what matters is what these guys do on the field down the road. And you get to... To figure out how that's going to go, and again, this is still an inexact science. We don't know yet until they actually go on the field. But you've got to look at the overall signing class. That's much more important than how you finish. It's who you actually end up signing, whether you land in the last day or you landed them 10 months ago. It doesn't really matter when you land them. It matters that they're in your class, they're on your roster. So if we're talking about our overall signing class, was it A, solid, B, very strong, C, elite, or D, epic? Which way are you leaning? I'm probably going to go, um, I'm actually going to go see, um, because I think the biggest thing is that's going to be undersold is that we truly addressed our biggest need, which was the offensive line. And not only did we address it with a couple of guys, we signed six solid guys with only one person being under 300 pounds. I think we signed two legitimate right-of-way starters in Demarcus Hayes and Isaiah Wilson, which I think cannot be um, understated how yeah. important I think it's they're going to be. tough to overvalue that. Yeah, I think that value. And then at the same time, you know, we had some big-time players in big-time positions. Brom, he's going to create some competition with EC. He's going to hold him more accountable. I think he's going to be a good person to push him. Um, and I think he'll be a good player in his own time when he comes into his, himself, really, into his program. Um, I think Gibbs and LeCount also are going to be just two outstanding players for this team. 
Okay, so you went with elite. This class was elite, but not epic. So why is it elite and not quite epic? Um, because I think in the end you still have to take a couple projects, which I think hold you back from being epic. Um, I think if you're wanting to be considered epic, you practically have maybe one or two, three stars, while the rest are, ev- or you know, top guys at their positions. Yeah, I mean, look at let's look. I'm pulling it up right now. Let's look at Bama. To me, Bama and Ohio State they pulled off epic class. Our class was incredible and awesome by our standards. Like, I mean, unprecedented really for us in the past 20 years. But Bama landed six five-star players according to the 247 composite rate that takes into account all the major recruiting services. Ohio State landed five five-star players. Uh, we landed two, which is great, but it's not six. It's not five. Uh, Bama landed six five-stars, 18 four-stars. Ohio State lands five five-stars, 14 four-stars. Now, we got 18 four-stars. That's great. Uh, and, like, the star rating, I, I really hate going by a star rating, but I, I use that because people know what I'm talking about when I say that the elite of the elite, at least according to the evaluations. Those two classes were epic. Our class is elite. Absolutely our class is elite, but I don't think it quite ascended that epic level yet. We needed a, a, a few. Now, if we landed Solomon, maybe Marquevis Bryant, we would have flipped Jemias Williams, then maybe we could start talking. But still, I still think it would have been a notch under Ohio State and Bama, even if we had done all of those things. If we had the best-case scenario and how we finished, it still would have been just a slight shade away from Epic. But based on where we're coming from the past decade or so, this was absolutely a class that's going to put us on the right track. There's no doubt about it, on the track to championships. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to go, it was elite, but not quite Epic yet. All right, uh, next question. Now let's actually get into the recruits themselves. Got a couple questions here for you. First one. Which of the members of the 2017 signing class was the most important recruit to land? Was it A, Jake Fromm, B, Isaiah Wilson, C, Richard LeCount, or D, DeAndre Swift? I think you got to go B, Isaiah Wilson. I think he's going to be the staple of the offensive line for at least the next three years. I really want to say Fromm because I think quarterback is the still the most important position on the field. Uh, although football is the ultimate team game and no one can operate in a vacuum. They have to have everyone working co- cohesively to together. Because you, saw, you saw what a weak offensive line can do to a quarterback. I, exactly. And I here's another aspect of this I think we need to mention. I think I, I'm, I'm with you. I think Isaiah Wilson is the answer. I think he's the answer because Kirby needs to win now. Okay, he did not have a stellar first year on the field. It was okay. We had some moments, you know, beating Auburn at home, beating North Carolina. Uh, well, they didn't turn out to be a great team, but we, we had some moments. But we also had some epic fails. We had some terrible moments, losing to Vanderbilt, the, the Hail Mary. I don't even want to mention it. Tennessee, just losing to that team on North Avenue. Those things can't happen. Uh, and now being his first year and the recruiting class he's putting together, there's still a lot of excitement around the program. People still trust him. Like me, I'm still completely buying in. But if we have another down year next year on the field, there's going to start to be a lot of question marks. And those voices are going to get louder and louder. And if for me, the reason we struggled, and we talked about this all season long, the primary reason we struggled this season was our offensive line just couldn't block anybody. There was just no consistency there whatsoever, particularly when we're a team that wants to be a downhill uh, a team that that, fo- that features a downhill running attack. We just simply could not be who we wanted to be, and we weren't willing to adjust to really any considerable level. We tried a few things to spread out a little bit, but we still wanted to be a downhill running team when it came down to When it came to, to crunch time, that's who we wanted to be, and we were stuck with it stubbornly because we're trying to establish a program for the future. And I, I get that. I do. 
But the fact remains, if we didn't fix that offensive line, year two is going to be just as much of a struggle as year one. And it still remains to be seen if the offensive line is truly going to be fixed. But I think at least Wilson gives us a chance to upgrade at the tackle position, add the size, that the girth that we're looking for up front so that we can be that team that plays bully ball like Kirby and Chaney and Sam Pittman want to play. So I think he gives us a better chance to have a much better year in year two. Jake Fromm, I think, is going to be a great... I'm sold that Jake Fromm is going to be a superstar for us. I, I believe it 100% with every fiber of my being. I love the guy. I have a man crush on him. I absolutely do. I own that. But he's not going to play next year. Or at least it would be a major upset if he was able to unseat East, and I just can't sit here and predict that's going to happen. His time will be down the road. But we need Wilson, like, today. Like, right now. We needed him a couple months ago. He would have, I mean, he, if he, as a senior in high school, wouldn't you say he would have been playing if he was on our team? I mean, I, I think absolutely he would have been. So he's a guy that will come in and help us right away, which is going to be important for Kirby in year two to have a better season so that he can buy himself some breathing room and, and build some more momentum on the recruiting front. Yes, we have a lot of momentum right now, but if you don't start winning, like, look at Butch Jones. For a long time, for a couple years when he got there, everybody was talking about how well he was recruiting because he was selling playing time. Their roster was crap. Like our roster when that Kirby in here. It was just complete trash. It was garbage. And Kirby has been able to sell playing time, immediate playing time, building something new, just like Butch Jones was able to do. But now Butch Jones, people are starting to see, oh, well, he's actually a terrible coach. He doesn't know, have any clue what he's doing. He can't cut it in the SEC as an actual coach, even with the talent he was able to amass. We can't let, We can't allow Kirby to turn into that. He has to answer those questions next year. At least start to answer them. We can't have another 8-5 season. I think Wilson gives us a better chance to be the kind of team that we want to be and improve on that record. Uh, all right, next question here. Who was the biggest miss in the 2017 recruiting cycle for us? Was it A, Aubrey Solomon, B, Jemias Williams, C, Markavius Bryant, or D, a guy that wasn't really mentioned down the stretch for us, but I still think it's a big miss because early on in the process – he had mentioned that we were a dream school for him. That's A.J. Terrell, cornerback, elite cornerback. Of those four, who's the biggest miss? I'm probably Terrell. Um, I'm going to go out here and say that I honestly don't believe Marquise Bryant is a miss. People can disagree with me, but the thing is, to me, he's just another DeAndre, Walk, uh, DeAndre Walker. A lot of similarities. Yet, and he's yet to go on the field on a consistent basis going into year three because he's not an every-down guy. And I, but I let's talk about who he was behind, too, though. He was behind Jordan Jenkins, who's starting the NFL. He's behind Leonard Floyd, who might be the defensive MVP. Well, uh, man, the rookie, I'm sorry, the rookie of the year defensive player. His body's still not in shape. I mean, they'll try to put him in there. He can, he can do pass rushing things, but other than that, that's about he's it. He's a situational pass rusher right now, and yeah, that, might all, that might be all he'll ever be. Yeah, because he's never gotten his body you know, to where it can take the every down beating. Yeah. In my opinion. And, and that's, with, the same with, thing. And yeah. that's the same thing I see with Bryant. I think Bryant was rated high, but at the same time, I don't think he was good. I don't see him for at least two years making an impact. So that's why we got Terrell. Um, you know, he's a little bit taller than Jemias, and I think the biggest thing that makes him miss is that we just didn't give him enough attention when that's all he wanted. Yeah, I think that was complete. And, and look, we don't have all the facts. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But if you go back and look at his comment, his comments in the early spring, around this time last year, um, around March, around that time, he was very high on us, extraordinarily high on us. In fact, I, I truly remember, I don't have it right in front of me right now, but there was a quote where he said, George was a dream, that's his dream school. And I was like, okay, this is a guy that we're going to get in the back. This was before he blew up. Like, he was just kind of a fringe player. I mean, no one had really been paying much attention. Then, of course, he blows up, 
and we hadn't given him the attention he was looking for, and he starts looking elsewhere at programs that had given attention. And this is a guy at 6'2", 180. He, he fits the bill of the kind of longer cornerbacks that we want, a guy like Amir Speed that we took at 6'3", uh, Latavius Brini, we took him at cornerback, 6'2". Uh, and, and as high as I am on Amir Speed, and I am very high on Amir Speed. He's a guy that's got the length, the size that we want. Uh, he's got very good speed. He's a sub-10-600 guy um, at that size, which is rare for that. By the time he can flip his hips and run, he's physical. But A.J. Terrell would have been, no doubt about it, the best corner on probably on our roster immediately. Not even just in this class, on our roster, right? Yeah. I think he probably would have been at least the most talented guy on our roster. But we didn't give him what he was looking for early on, and that was a miss. Now, as good as this class is, as great a job as our coaches did grinding and putting together this class, and they did an outstanding job. I want to criticize them too much, but A.J. Terrell was a miss. All we had to do was give the guy some a love, a little bit more love than we did. And we did, and we let Clemson come right in that, into Georgia and steal him right from under our nose here. I mean, he went to Westlake, he's teammates with Jaden Hunter, and uh, he's going to be putting on that ridiculous orange color, orange and purple, which I still can't quite figure out why any team would use that as their color scheme. But, hey, whatever. So good luck to him, I guess. But, yeah, as Solomon, um, I'm, I'm with you, Marquis. Uh, I'm definitely with you on everything you said about Marquis Bryant. Solomon, I think, is a, is a, he's a good player. Uh, would you put him on Trent Thompson's level coming out of high school? No. I don't think I'd put him on that level either. He just wasn't as dominant. He's a good player. Um, he's explosive. He doesn't play with great pad level. He's kind of one of those guys that dominated in high school because sheer strength and size. He, he's not a, a polished player right now. And I'm, I'm not saying this to be sour grapes. I'm just giving you guys a fair evaluation. If we would have gotten him, I told you the same thing. I've been saying the same things about him throughout the cycle. I, th- I thought he was an important recruit for us just because of the dearth of, of – uh, defensive tackles in this class in the Southeast and also in next year's class. To me, that's the biggest reason that it hurts to lose him is there's just not too many guys to replace him with next year. Uh, so there might be a gap there in our defensive tackle recruiting. And look, we, we're so stacked with young guys on the defensive line that it's not all that necessary to land a guy like something. It would have been a nice luxury. You want to build that depth. We already have plenty of depth um, with young guys across the front of that defensive line. So I don't think that was as big of a miss. Jemias Williams, um, we've talked about him a lot. I think he's a great playmaker. He's a guy I would like to have just to keep him away from South Carolina. Um, but we, we have serious concerns over his size. He's vertically challenged. He's very skilled, but vertically challenged. And you just can't do anything about that. So, yeah, I'm with you there on A.J. Terrell. All right, next question. Um, during this recruiting process, there, there always are going to be. There are going to be some questionable decisions. Coaches have to make tough decisions. So in this class, and there, there were quite a few of them. Of the following, which was the most questionable decisions our coaches have made in the 2017 recruiting cycle? Was it A, not taking Tennille Carter as an early enrollee after, being, after he'd been committed for about six months? Was it B, taking Monty Rice and Nate McBride over Leonard Warner? Was it C, taking three cornerbacks on signing day over a, a defensive tackle? Uh, maybe we could have gotten Murchison. Laurel Murchison, the Juco, but it looks like we uh, declined to take his commitment. Or is it D, which this one kind of came out of nowhere, offering a scholarship to a graduate transfer kicker from Wofford? Which of those was the most questionable decision in this in this uh, cycle? I hate to say it, but I mean, I, it's hard for me to really pick one because while it's weird, I kind of, a lot of the decisions make sense. I'll say... I'll just go through the options. Leonard Warner, um, if you watch his tape, he really disappeared his senior year. Did not show that he lived. He didn't live up to his billing, in my opinion. Um, more, not as much as McBride, who I think after missing a year still played almost at the same level and has higher intangibles. And Monty Rice played a lot better than Warner on film, if you watch it. 
Um, I agree with that. Option B was which one? That was uh, B. Option A was not taking uh, Tino Carter as an early enrollee. I, I honestly don't believe that was because I think it came down to numbers, and at the same time, I think. Um, well, we we, yeah. we couldn't take. I mean, from my understanding, we couldn't take all those guys as early enrollees. And exactly, his, and his, think, his position was the most was a position that was basically a luxury to land him. Exactly, and that's the thing. He wasn't a position of need as like. Like Kirk, like if, when you talk, heard Kirby today talking about how big it was to get Gibbs and LeCount, he wasn't going to turn down an option to give them their their early enrollee and to make them to defer. Yeah. Um, so, um, and I also I think not taking Carter puts us in a better position to land Zamir White next year, who is exactly, a I mean, monster recruit. I, I definitely do agree with that. And then C. Merchantson, you know, I think it came down to the fact that the coaches just felt their younger guys were better than him, and um, Wyatt they may feel like could even make a better impact than him at this time. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest things is they didn't want to give a scholarship to a guy who's going to sit there for two, just come for in and unless he, yeah. yeah, unless he was a JUCO that can make an immediate impact. And I feel like in the end, the coaches felt like he wasn't. Um, I will say we don't have a ton of guys his body type. I, I know we've got you've got uh, Ledbetter on the outside and you've got David Marshall, but that's about it. That body type we could have used a little more depth there. I agree. Um, I think maybe they're just putting a lot of stock into uh, maybe giving Wyatt a chance at the DM position because he's very athletic. Um, and maybe uh, Herring puts on some weight and gets ready. Um, yeah, I think Herring absolutely is going to play that position. I think that's what he's going to be. That's true. Fair yeah. point. I'll give you, you that. Because you saw Marshall come in and be able to make an impact as a yeah. freshman. Um, and then D, um, you know, I think it was just the fact that they had a scholarship that they could give that they they could they could afford to give to a guy for only one year, which you know it's not where you're committing to give it to him for multiple years. And I think um, it's almost like why not? It, like if it's down to like taking a guy like Murchison or the kicker, exactly. You, like, a kicking can win you or lose you a game so quickly, and I think this is the perfect guy to truly, truly battle out with Rodrigo. Yeah, did you see though? Uh, his name is David Marvin from Wofford University. Did you see uh, the stats though from last year? He missed like eight extra points. <laughs> what? So I don't know if we're bringing him in so much to be uh, a field goal kicker. Kickoff. Yeah, I think kickoff and perhaps even punting because he averaged like almost four. I think forty-seven, forty-eight yards a punt. Uh, and his net punting was 44 yards, which is significantly better than anyone we put out there punting the ball last year. And that was a major the issue. Only, the, only, the only downside to us offering him a scholarship is you're probably going to hear Rodrigo's dad being annoying again. You know what? I really could care less. I'm not going to give that man oh, another I, second I, I, attention. I agree, too. Like, but I, can, think, I, think, whatever. I think it shows that Ro- Co- uh, Coach has a faith in Mario in field goal kicking, but not in place kicking. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that works out because this guy, from what it looks like, he—I mean, he, he wasn't altogether an accurate kicker this past year, but um, he—but he has a leg. He knocked down—he knocked down a fifty-six yard, fifty-seven yard, something like that. He was consistently putting balls through the end zone or putting them so far um, back in the end zone that guys were taking touchbacks, and that's what we were looking for. We're looking for a guy who can do that consistently and a guy who can punt. So it'll be interesting to see what role he takes on. Um, but if you look at the issues we had kicking the ball and how important that is, particularly in field position. I think this is a guy that's worth a one-year scholarship. I absolutely I, do. I definitely agree. So that's why it's hard for me to, you know, really pick one. But I, I that's why I went through every option. Yeah, if I had to pick one, I would say C, taking three cornerbacks, um, and maybe not even just over DT, but taking three cornerbacks and two of them being potentially projects. One of them, Stokes, definitely one hundred percent being a project, insanely fast, like sub ten four hundred meter, a sub a true four three type guy, laser timed. I mean, he's got crazy speed, but he is an absolute project as a cornerback and a lot of flaws in his game yes he's straight line fast but man he is, he does not change direction well i think the uh, one reason they went with him is he brings a little bit of length compared to some of these he does guys. well he yeah um 
He, I mean, he's like six foot, six one. But I, I will say, having speed on your team, speed kills, man. And you can put him back there to return kicks. It makes up for a lot of things sometimes. It does. It does. And maybe we feel like we can mold him into something. And look, these guys, I'll trust their evaluations over mine. They do this for a living. Um, but it, three cornerbacks on sign I just I was not expecting that. I, I, I still think that's questionable. Taking two of them, okay. When we got when it was announced that Brini committed to us later in the day, I was like, I just man, I, I, I totally didn't get that. Coaches, I think they're going to be in the mentality that they're going to come in there, work on them, and if the guys aren't going to cut it, they'll ship them out. And you mentioned something that, uh, before the show. We were talking a little bit prepping here. Yeah. Uh, I think it may be because you you know you're not talking them. I don't. I think we're, we're kind of you're going to look at this year at cornerback. You're going to have people like Baker. Um, Wow, Malcolm Parrish, and I think you're going to see um, Tyreek McGee push for the positions of cornerback. That I think he just wanted to create some extra depth. That the possibility of moving Cole to a wide receiver is an option. Yeah, it's going to be, I, and I, we don't have any, any inside information. It's just something that to speculate on because Mecole. I mean, I've been saying since you know going back to this time last year when he said, I said if, if he's going to play, his best opportunity to play is on the offensive side of the ball and right away. Kirby, and Kirby openly admitted today that. They're going to try to get him reps on offense. So now they're more. Well, he's just so it. dangerous with the ball in his hands. It's especially. I mean, I, that's why I didn't understand last year. I, I mean, I know that we were trying to full time put him there full time to develop because he was so raw at that position. But when we had so few playmakers on the outside last year offensively, like I just didn't understand why we couldn't put him out there just for a package, for a series of plays here and there, just to get the ball in his hands. And the guy is electric with the ball in his hands, I and mean, he's deadly. So I think this might open up the possibility for that to happen. We'll see. We'll admire that as spring practice approaches and as we go through that. But it'll be interesting. Gives us, I think it does at least give us the opportunity there. All right, uh, next question here. Uh, most likely, offensive lineman most likely to earn a starting job not named Isaiah Wilson. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Most likely to earn a starting job first not named Isaiah Wilson. So of these guys, is it Notori Johnson, Justin Schaefer, or Andrew Thomas? I'm going to go Schaefer. Um, you know... I've been hearing more and more good things. I about told that. you. I told that, you. That All Star game he went down to the USA Canada yep. one. I've just I heard rave reviews about him again. Um, he's a big guy. I think he's got a chance to you know at least push more than anyone else at the, for mm-hmm. a position. Mm-hmm. Notori gets all the head. Notori is very good in his own right. I'm not trying to criticize Notori. I'm not, this is not to tear him down. This is just how good I think Schaefer is. Notori gets a lot of the publicity in the headlines because he's got a great personality. He's got a great story behind him, and he's a. Uh, He's got the hair thing, the snow cone thing going on. So he gets a lot of the attention. But Schaefer's more of a mild-mannered type dude off the field, quieter, more reserved. But the dude can ball, man. He just moves see, he's people. He's also one of those that got affected because at first he played tackle. And didn't exactly. Exactly. Later. So I'm very high on Justin Schaefer. And, I, and I've said this before over the past couple of weeks leading up to signing day. Watching him in the state championship game, him and Tory, they're both good. I think Schaefer had at least a better game in that game. And I think he's he could have some potentially better tools. I think he's a little stronger than Tori is right now. Um, Tori might be a little more explosive. I, I like Schaefer's size, like his strength. I think he's the guy that could come there and earn a job. I think Andrew Thomas is going to be a really good left tackle, but I think he's got to put a little weight on. Um, I think he's got a little work to do there, but it won't be long. I think he's the heir apparent. I think Demarcus Hayes going to come in and start left tackle this year. I think Andrew Thomas is the heir apparent after that. Uh, next question: Most likely to start as a true freshman. Not named Isaiah Wilson. A. D'Angelo Gibbs. B. Richard LeCount. C. Jake Fromm. D. Jeremiah Holloman. Probably to go with LeCount. Um, I 
don't, um, I think he has, because he's going to be the one working in the nickelback position, which is going to be a very wide open position um, to compete for this year. Um, I think Gibbs has a chance to come in and make, I don't know, I, th- I think he has a chance to start, but I don't think it would be as quick as LeCount. And I think Holloman can come in and start. But I just think that LeCount fits that nickelback, that nickel and dime role over there, um, and it's more wide open. I agree. I, yeah, I agree with you there. I think LeCount has more positional flexibility on the defense side of the ball. I think he could play star. I think Gibbs, I think really Gibbs and LeCount both could. But I like LeCount's Keep game LeCount right now. starting quicker. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's explosive. I think he's a headhunter, even though he doesn't have necessarily the size that Gibbs has. Um, he, I think he's more polished than Gibbs. I, I absolutely think he's more polished than Gibbs. Is right. I mean, Gibbs has been playing safety. That's where, if that's where indeed we plan on putting him, he's been playing that for one year. LeCount's been doing that pretty much his entire high school career. And see, Gibbs openly did admit, too, that he, he's looking mainly at corner to start with. Yeah, I didn't see that as well. So it'll be interesting. <clears throat> There's a lot of stuff that remains to be played out here. We just don't know. Um, we just got to go off what we've seen and what we've heard to, to this point. So a lot of stuff that still remains to be played out. All right, uh, next question. Biggest sleeper in the 2017 class? Is it A, wide receiver Matt Landers, B, outside linebacker Jaden Hunter, C, guy that we already talked about, offensive uh, guard Justin Schaefer, or D, outside linebacker slash potentially inside linebacker Walter Grant? I'm going to go with Jaden Hunter again. I think he's an outstanding player, and I think he's just – you know the legacy he committed so early. I think he just got – did not – No one has been talking about him. It's insane to me that – no, if you turn this guy's film on, I've seen him at camps too – this guy, he screams Leonard Floyd to me. Now, he's not quite as long as Leonard Floyd, maybe a – maybe not quite as explosive, but I think he has similar potential in terms of his impact on the field at the outside linebacker position for us. I really do. And the body type is not all that different. I mean, Floyd's got crazy length, um, but Hunter's not too far behind there. I'm with you, man. I I think Hunter's the answer here. I'm really high on him, and it stuns me that people don't talk about him more than they have. I really don't understand it. He's a good player. Uh, All right, next one here. Let's move on. Try to run through these a little more quickly here. Um... Most likely to become a household name. A, Richard LeCount. B, Jake Fromm. C, Isaiah Wilson. D, DeAndre Swift. Ooh. I'm going to have to go with LeCount, just the fact that his personality is... No, you're wrong. I I mean, he's just already a well-known bulldog. You'll go with Fromm because you have a boy crush on him. Hey, um, I'm not a boy. I'm a man. It's a man crush. Get it right. He's a boy still, but I think LeCount just—he's right, already a household. Creepy. He's already a household name, and I think he just is a—you know—the passion he plays with, and I think he's just one of those that's going to—you know—already kind of close to a household name already coming into it. I—I—I I, I totally see where you're coming coming from because he was the leader of this class, you know, helping recruit. Um, putting stuff on social media, help making those videos, and Fraun helped make those videos too. By the way, I just want to point that out, dude. Um, but uh, the Santa Claus suits, the Black Santa thing, it's hilarious. It was awesome. So people know him; they already love him for what he's done. He's already a damn good dog. Uh, he's also the kind of guy that if you if you watched him play, he um, he's one of those guys that you love him if he's on your team, but you absolutely loathe him if he's on another team because he talks a major trash man he does not shut up he yaps 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 and you hate that from an opposing team from a rival but if he's on your team you love the guy um so i could see that from the count but household name i'm thinking about talking about talking about them on uh, sports center talking about them on game day it's gotta be jay from dude Come on. Quarterback. Everybody everybody loves to quarterback. It really is just a function of the fact that he plays quarterback. It's the position he plays. 
those guys are the superstars. They the one they're the ones who get all the attention. If he's as good as I think he's going to be, and I, you guys know how I feel about him, he's going to be the household name, man. He's going to lead us to a national championship. It's going to happen. Come on, the quarterback of the national championship Georgia team. Come on, that's a household name right there. I would actually go. I think that's too easy though. I would almost go with Swift if you're. Because as easy doesn't mean it's not right. I know, but I, I think you also go with Swift because he he's one of those shifty guys that you know you can get on Sports Center for making people. True, fish. but you got to beat out Aaron. You got to beat out Holyfield. Could happen. Probably will. I think he's better than Harry, and I think I still think I'm still high on on Elijah Holyfield. We'll see how that works. But Swift's great too. I mean, all those guys could be household names. I mean, let's be real; they probably all could. Uh, all right, next one: uh, biggest boom or bust prospect. What I mean by that is the guy that has the biggest gap between his floor and his ceiling. Is it a Matt Landers at wide receiver, six five wide receiver? Uh, actually, our lowest rated recruit. Uh, B uh, Eric Stokes, cornerback that. We picked up on signing day out of nowhere. Uh, I shouldn't say out of nowhere, but I didn't expect that to happen. Is it uh, C, Trey Bishop, or is it D, Walter Grant? Tough, I know. Um, Boomer bust. Could be huge, could be a badass, could be a complete failure at life. um, life. That's harsh. I'd probably go Walter Grant. Interesting. Yeah, I could see that because you watch him on the tape. He doesn't blow you away because he plays. He looks like he has some stiffness in his game. But I've seen this guy in person, seen him at camps, I and mean, he's impressive in person in his size and what he can do. Um, the athleticism that goes along with that and the versatility. But I think he could also just completely bomb out. I, I hope that doesn't. I don't hope none of these guys bomb out. I think it's Landers. I think Landers could be a monster if he puts a little size on. And can show some consistent hands at six five with good solid speed for that size. I think he can be give us something that we just don't have on the roster, especially since we didn't end up taking Nico Collins or slash not getting him. However you want to look at that, I think it's Landers. I think he could be a, a complete monster for us. But I also think a guy that just never really sees the field all that much. Never kind of think like a Jonathan Rumpf, like Sasquatch kind of thing. Like, oh, is he on the team? Have you, have we seen him? Where is he? That kind of thing. Uh, all right, next one here. Just a couple more. Uh, most likely to be recruited over. Because, you know, we've got some guys that, you know, we sign them, you get excited about them, but you just end up recruiting over and you recruit players that are better than them. So is that going to be either A, Matt Landers, B, Eric Stokes, D, offensive tackle D'Antoni Demery, or D, William Poole Third at cornerback? I'm going to go with D'Antoni Demery. Demery. Because I I have to say we've got one committed right now that's going to be pushing him at Max Ray when he gets on campus. We've also got uh, what's the dude's name? The two thousand, a two thousand nineteen dude. Oh, I'm gonna pull his name up. Uh, Max Griffin. There you go, Griffin. Griffin. I thought it was Griffin. I should want to say it and sound wrong. There you go. I, and that dude uh, is it Max? Is it, are you sure it's Max Griffin? Oh, let me pull this up. Or Luke. I Luke. Think. Yeah, it's Luke. That's it. It's Luke. Luke Griffin. Uh, I saw this guy in person. I didn't see him work out, but I saw him in Athens up here over the summer. That dude already is. He's a monster. Now, he's not quite as big as Ben Cleveland, but he's already a monster. So I think you're right. There's a chance that we could recruit over Demery, um, especially if um, we have Isaiah Wilson at right tackle, potentially uh, Andrew Thomas at left tackle. I don't know where Demery fits in. I think he has a high ceiling, I, but he's got a long way to go right now. And you, when they have a long way to go, they might make it there, reach that ceiling. But I don't know if you can bet on that happening. Uh, all right, last one here. Surest bet to be an All-American. A- Jake Fromm, B, Isaiah Wilson, C, D'Angelo Gibbs, or D, Richard LeCount? 
I think Wilson. I just think. I mean, you look at all these. I think kind of reminds me of someone like a Cam Robinson who just gets on that list um, because I think he's. I think he's just that guy who can do it from day one. I want to say Isaiah Wilson. I think is it from day one, and you build the because offensive linemen it's all about reputation. Because most people don't understand offensive line play. Your average fan watching, they just they don't get it. They just if they I, hear I, somebody exactly. that's good. I think with the quarterback though, you have all these schools with the wide open offense. It's not going to be Jake Fromm because he's not going to put the no. numbers that you know, like, exactly. I think that's what you're getting you have to. Too many people like Clemson. Like, he's not going to throw for 500 yards a game or 400 yards. He might throw for 400 yards every now and then. But that's not going to be his average. Not close now, to it. If, if I didn't go with Wilson, I'd probably say Gibbs. I think Wilson is the answer. I think he'll play early, and I think that's going to help him build his reputation. The fact that we're uh, we want to be a downhill power running team. Um, kind of adds to his importance and the fact that we're gonna—he's so needed right now. Uh, and I think he's a really good player. So yeah, I think I think he's got a chance, especially if we're as good as I think we're gonna be down the road here. I think Isaiah Wilson might be the answer there. But any of those guys could all—I mean, actually, I think all of them have a shot to be all Americans. But the surest bet probably Wilson. He's just so ready right now as it is to step in like immediately. All right, guys. So there you go. We wanted to attack the uh, review assigned a in a little bit of a different way. You know, you get a lot of the same stuff from different outlets, so we wanted to have a little fun with it. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we enjoyed doing it. Check back with us next week. We are not done with assigned a. We'll be talking more about these guys. Talking about who's going to be uh, who has a chance to start earliest. And we're, we're going to go through all of them. We're going to go through the the whole entire list. Talk a little bit about each player and break them down for you guys early next week. So be sure to check back with us next week. But we want to give you guys. A little taste of that today and break down what we saw happen on Sunday. Really, this entire Sigum 17 class. So, for Curtis, I'm Tyler. Definitely appreciate you guys checking in with us today. Uh, as always, go dogs! <laughs>